Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. Happy Easter to you. I'm Cy Kellett, your host. And uh, we're celebrating Easter here at Catholic Answers, as Christians are all around the world. Eight days uh, of celebration of Easter, and then we extend that out to 50 days of celebration of Easter. And then we celebrate Easter every day of our lives. And then we continue to celebrate Easter into eternity. So Amen. this goes on and on and on. Uh, this hour, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened after Easter, in that time when Jesus... Uh, remained with uh, his apostles and disciples, and here to help us do that is Tim Staples, senior apologist at, at Catholic. I was said senior apologist, but that's Jimmy's senior apologist. Sorry. So am I. You're a senior apologist? Yes. Is that the right? Because I, I never know whose title is what. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're both senior apologists. Yeah, you are kind of senior. <laughs> that's right. I'm older than him, yeah. so yeah I'm, yeah. I'm senior, senior apologist when it comes to age. And the author, Behold Your Mother, uh, Biblical and Historical Defense of the Marian Doctrines and uh, Nuts and Bolts, a great uh, uh, kind of uh, all-purpose help for apologetics and also um, all kinds of cool things like, my, as I've often said, my favorite uh, title in all of Catholic um, media Jimmy Swaggart made me a Catholic. <laughs> yes. Well, happy Easter, first of all, Tim. Happy Easter. He I, is risen. He, amen. He is truly risen. And I really like your choice of color there on your shirt. Yeah, we both got Easter Isn't that funny? Today. That we, <laughs> uh, so the, the period after the resurrection. Yes. Um, what exactly is the point of all this? What is Jesus doing hanging around for 40 days? It's not like the party yeah. guest who just won't leave, right? It's the, <laughs> there's some other reason for this. Yes, and it's huge. <laughs> okay, this is enormous. In fact, there there are there's a certain sense in which those 40 days are more important than the 3 years of Jesus ministry. Wow. You say, Wait a minute. Wow. Heresy alert. Heresy alert. <laughs> well, in this sense. Now, uh, yeah. of course, when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel, I mean the gospels hold a primacy of place, obviously, in our tradition. So in that sense, there's a premium put on, as the Catechism talks about the stages of re revelation, right, of God revealing himself in Christ, the stages, the first stage the Catechism talks about begins at the Incarnation, right, where Christ begins to re reveal who God is from the instant he is conceived right. in the womb all the way through to the passion, death, and resurrection. So that stage of the revelation reaches its culmination in the three years of Christ's, you know, you know, proclaiming who he is and proclaiming the kingdom of God. But this next stage the Catechism talks about, there's a certain sense in which it is even more important for this reason— if you notice in Luke's gospel, especially in Luke 24, and that continues into Acts chapter 1, especially verse 3, the scripture says that Jesus, one of the many things that he did in the, the, those 40 days is he taught them all things concerning the kingdom of God, number one. And number two, and very importantly, folks, in uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 24, St. Luke reveals he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures, all right? Now, we can pass over that little verse there, but sigh, wow, this, is, this is enormously important 
because you can have all the revelation there is, but unless your mind is opened by supernatural power, you can't understand it. And the apostles during this stage, during those, those 40 sacred days, had a special gift, this stage of, of revelation to where Jesus opened their minds. Now, this would not be the absolute culmination of the revelation because after uh, Pentecost or at Pentecost, that's when their minds would be fully illuminated, yeah, and the kingdom could be fully established in the in the earth. So that's what I mean by and what the Catechism talks about stages during Christ's life. That is obviously how can we say it extremely important stage of the revelation of who God is right, in right, Jesus right. Christ. But then you have this other stage, these forty days where God. Jesus personally comes to them and teaches them. Think about this, side. The, the two, you know, of the... There's about 10 or 11, depending upon how you count them. If you look at... I counted them. I count them as 11, but sometimes you can count two as one because one is a continuation of another apparition. Oh, I see. Maybe we can talk about that. Uh, yeah, but right. the bottom line is 10 or 11 times Scripture reveals that Jesus appeared to the apostles and to, to the disciples. Now, of course, there's more than that, as John's Gospel in chapter 20 and 21. John, John puts a premium on this. He yeah. emphasizes at the end of chapter 20, the last two verses, and then the last two verses of 21, there were many other signs, he says in chapter 20, that Jesus did. And then in chapter 21, many other things that he did that are not recorded here. And in both cases, you know, there wouldn't be enough books to hold all of them if, if, if he attempted to write all of them. But the point being, there's a lot more than just what's recorded in the Scriptures, and certainly there's, there's more to these appearances of Jesus after Easter and before the Ascension than just the 10 or 11 that are revealed here. We know, of course, Jesus first appeared in our tradition to the Blessed Mother, as Pope St. John Paul II was big on saying, you know, he appeared. Why isn't that in, in the Gospels? And he right. lays out several reasons. Most likely, I, I always go with the simplest. It was a private thing. Yeah. You know, Jesus right. wanted to meet cool. his mother yeah. go privately see first. Yeah. And, of course, there's more. John Paul points out, you know, there may have been apologetic reasons as well because the evangelists were interested in the apologetic effect of their of their writings, and they had already recorded, you know, the women being the first that Jesus reveals himself to, which is kind of shaky on apologetics grounds because nobody's going to listen to their testimony, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So putting mom in there, oh man, now you're really biased. Okay, you're right. going to say mom saw him. Oh sure. Yeah. But anyway, that that, that an interesting tidbit from from Pope Saint John Paul II. I go with the simpler. This was a, a, a private meeting. But here's the point, is when you look at Luke 24, and of those 10 or 11 uh, appearances, one of them was famously to Cleopas and an unnamed disciple on the road to Emmaus. And as Jesus, who their eyes are withheld, they cannot uh, see him, they don't recognize him, as both Mark 16 and Luke 24 point out, 
But the scripture says, oh my gosh, this is glorious. And this gets back to the point I was making earlier. It says that Jesus opened the scriptures and beginning at Moses and the prophets expounded all things with regard to him. Wow. I mean, yeah. oh my goodness. This is a hugely important uh, thing that happened during those 40 days. There is the communication of, and, and you want to know the source of our tradition, a lot of it is right here in those 40 days where Jesus taught them in ways he did not when he right. was even with them during his three-year ministry. He opened up all things, and it would be after that that he appeared to the apostles, and it was specifically to the apostles, St. Luke records, that he opened their minds that they should understand the scriptures. Now, one more point on this, because I do want to emphasize that the completion of that revelation uh, in, 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 to the apostles happens at Pentecost. That's when they finally re re revealed the fullness of the illumination that, you know, we in our Catholic tradition, oh gosh, drives me nuts. Sometimes you'll hear a well-meaning priest say, you know, well, the apostles, they didn't understand. We have a fuller understanding today. Ah, no, yeah, right. no, you don't want to say that, because actually we're trying to get back to what the apostles had in full, you know, and, and yes, we grow in our, in our understanding, and we help folks in our age to understand what the apostles had, as St. Paul kind of puts it in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, though I have all knowledge and understand all prophecies. Who is he referring to? Him, because <laughs> he's, he's an apostle as one born out of due time. As he says in 1 Corinthians 6, Jesus appeared to him as well. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the point is, when you, when you talk about the importance of these 40 days, you cannot overemphasize the importance of those 40 days. If only for that reason, the, the, the teaching of all things pertain to him in yeah, a way that, right. that goes beyond what he did in his three years. And then we could talk about it as well. Think about what he did when he appeared to the apostles. You know, little things like he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins you forgive or forgiven, whosoever sins you retain or retain. He's revealing things about the nature of holy orders, the apostolic gift, apostolic succession, the apostles, and so forth. So you can also get to the particular appearances of our Lord and see that these 40 days, my friends, was not just Jesus. Well, you know, I don't have much else to do. I'll just hang out yeah, here yeah, right. for 40 days. <laughs> my cloud doesn't leave for 40 days. So. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I have a, a bunch of questions from, from that. So we'll continue yes. this conversation. What, what exactly was Jesus doing in those 40 days that he remained uh, with the church uh, after the resurrection? We'll continue yes. that conversation with Tim Staples right after this on Catholic Answers Live. Miss a show? Make sure to catch up by downloading the podcast, available online at catholic.com. The Aquinas Writing Advantage program is part of Homeschool Connections set of online courses for your Catholic homeschool. Homeschool Connections website is homeschoolconnections.com. 
Underwriting for Catholic Answers Live is provided by Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations on the web at realestateforlife.org. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. If one person's faith has been nourished by this program, it's worth it. And knowing that people of all different walks of life are listening, but also getting something out of it, that's the excitement I find in it. EWTN Open Line Monday with Father John Tregilio. Tonight, 10 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. Tim Staples here with us, and we're talking about that period of Jesus' life and ministry um, where he remained with his church after uh, the resurrection and uh, did not depart them uh, for 40 days. So we have that number 40 again. We had the, the I mean, the, that number 40 is, is so, so important. It's so, yeah, it echoed down through all of the salvation history, including the 40 years in the desert and his own 40 days of fasting, and now he spends 40 days with them as a church. Yes. And, and so uh, it does, and I've, and I've several times said now, he, he spends this time with the church because it does seem that his public ministry to the world is suspended at this time, or it's not, he, he's right. not ministering to the world in the sense that, right. you know, uh, uh, the woman can walk up to him and touches him and she's healed, or that the, the paralytic will walk again. He, this is time with, between Jesus yes, and the church. That's right. And uh, with special focus on the apostles, but of course, he appeared as St. Paul gives us that litany in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's verse 6, is it, to 500 all at once, many of whom are still alive, but some have died. Powerful, right? So you're right. This is a time for the people of God. He is, you know, I think of it, man, as he is pumping information into yeah. the church, you know, with, as we talked about before the break, when he expounds on all things. Con and specifically in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, concerning the kingdom, right? And that, that word kingdom is very important, because remember the apostles, and this is an, a, another sign, by the way, that even though Jesus is revealing so much to them during these 40 days, they, they still, and he opened their mind, they're still not fully illuminated, because remember the question in Acts chapter 1, right before the ascension, right? And they still don't have it. Quite when right. When you establish right. a kingdom? That's right. Is it now? Yeah. Are we going to crush the Romans now? It appears <laughs> that the apostles were still... And, you know, we could ridicule the apostles. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it's only been pounded into them from the time they were a kid that the Messiah was going to come and crush the Romans and right. establish Israel in its rightful place as, as the dominant authority on the earth and yeah. in a time of peace and all of that. So, of course, that's so deeply ingrained in them. But the, I, there, there's a bit of irony here, Sai, because one of the things Jesus did, again, throughout those 40 days, is he emphasized, he taught on the kingdom, the kingdom, and the coming of the kingdom. Okay, you can see why they would say, okay, well then, you've been teaching us all this stuff now about the kingdom, so is it now? And, and the irony is, 
is Jesus says, you know, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has placed in his own care, his own, under his own authority, because they had in mind, of course, the final fulfillment of all things, and that, you know, in that era of infinite peace and, and perfection, and they're, they're off on that. Of course, God could have done that. Jesus could have established the kingdom in full right then, but of course, there are reasons why he did not, and there are multiple of them. I always like to keep it simple. Uh, the reason of reasons why is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, where St. Peter says, God, in verse, oh, that would be 9, God is not sl- 8 and 9, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, and he's referring to the coming of the Lord. But he says he is patient. Yeah. He is merciful not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I mean, ultimately, the reason why God in Christ did not establish the kingdom immediately is because he wants more people in the kingdom. Yeah, right. He wants, of course, you know, angels were all created at once. There were never any more created. That doesn't work with people. Doesn't work with people. <laughs> Jesus wants more people in the kingdom, and, yeah. of course, most importantly, it is out of his mercy. He wants folks to be saved. But here's the irony, right? They're asking, when is it now? Are you going to establish the kingdom? Well, in a certain sense, Jesus knew full well, yes, he is. In fact, this is one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons why we could talk about, gosh, as we get into this, I realize there's so much. More and more and more. (laughs) It does. Yeah. But think about this, right? In John chapter 20, verse 17, the famous verse, Mary Magdalene, right? In verse 16 and 17 there, uh, she's literally clinging to Jesus. She sees her resurrected Lord. She loves him so dearly. This, this man, who is also God, transformed her from the inside out in a, such a profound way. She went, some, went from sinner with seven demons to one of the greatest saints in the history of the church. And she, you can only imagine her elation. And, and I love the way this, this, the Greek text actually says, Jesus says to Mary, stop clinging to me. Yeah. Stop hanging on to me. I have not yet ascended. Because no doubt, what is the, the inclination, your first inclination when you, you see the God-man, the Messiah who you love, you're not going to let go, man. You're back. So let's, you know, yeah. it's, 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 this the, it. it's yeah. the kind of analogous to uh, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? When right, right. He, he reveals his glory. What do they do? <laughs> let's just stay here. Let's build some <laughs> tabernacles. We're going to stay right here. But of course, no. Because, why? Because this isn't the end. Yeah. This is just the beginning. No, I'm giving you a taste, a foreshadowing of the glory, which is to come, he says to Peter, James, and John, but this isn't the end. And to Mary Magdalene, it's, no, I've not yet ascended. And why is that so important? Because Jesus could not enter into the fullness of his kingdom as long as he's on this earth. Why? Because his kingdom is not of this earth. Right, yeah. Right? And so the, the inclination of both the apostles and Mary Magdalene is to keep him on earth, and we're going to rule and reign understandably, totally, 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 <laughs> totally un- understandable, but here comes 
the irony, I would argue, is because at that point, when she's clinging to him and when the apostles went right up to before, now this is early on with Mary Magdalene, it would be many days later, right at the end of the 40 days, when there, there is, you know, Mary Magdalene at the beginning is saying, stay here. And then right at the end, the apostles are saying, stay here. They, they've got yeah. that same inclination. But what, what Jesus is saying to them is the kingdom is only a day away here, less than a day. If you look at Luke's gospel, in fact, it would be immediately thereafter. Now, of course, it may be telescoped. It may not be immediately in that sense. But, but this is at the very end before he would ascend that they're saying this. And yet Ephesians chapter 4 gives us something really important that the Catechism talks about as well, and that is the fullness of the inauguration of the kingdom of God could not happen until the ascension. Now, listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, Therefore it is said, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, notice, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts. What gifts? Well, let's see. Verse 11 tells us, and in saying he ascended, what does he mean but that he also descended? He who descended is he also ascended. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So in other words, he could not... Now, this, this baffles a lot of folks, and you'll get people ask this question, Cy, online. How can he be saying that he gave gifts and one of them being the apostles, when you already had apostles. Oh, yes, I see. He right. already called the apostles. He empowered right. them as apostles. What yeah. in the world is this talking about? He's talking about establishing them in fullness in the power of the apostleship. Think about this side. Right, right, right. Think about yeah. this. And we know that Jesus revealed incrementally some of the powers of holy orders, in Scripture, right? We know, for example, in Luke twenty-two nineteen, the apostles were already ordained priests when he said, do this in memory of me. For those who don't know, yes, that's an infallible teaching of the Catholic Church, that they were ordained priests. Why? Because in saying, do this, do what? Offer the same thing I just offered, the holy sacrifice of the you Mass. you got to be a priest to do you that. you got to have the power to do it. But... It's not until after the resurrection in John 20, 21 through 23, that he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, whosoever sins. What? They're already priests. They're already ordained. Why do they? Well, we believe, the church has never given a formal teaching on this, but we believe that it's incremental so that you and I can see, oh, there's the power of the priest to offer the holy sacrifice. There's the the power to absolve people. But remember this, somebody was absent when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, Thomas, he wasn't there. It would be a week later that Jesus would come back and Thomas would famously do his thing, my yeah. Lord and my God. So what's, what gives here? The finality, the fullness of the gift of the apostleship comes at Pentecost. Right. That's where, if, hey, if there were any holes... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they're gone now. Yeah, okay. Yes, I mean, yes. they were they were basically Thomas was already a, an an apostle. But what 
is happening here is the fullness. And, and again, I would say if there are any holes, any lack, any whatsoever, even when it comes to the intellect, the apostles were perfected as apostles, receiving the fullness of that revelation. The three stages, the stages of the catechism talks about from the incarnation to the crucifixion resurrection, to the second stage of the 40 days, to now the finality, the fullness, where the kingdom is fully inaugurated and, the, and, and comes in full power in the form of Pentecost tongues of fire. Now, of course, there's so much more we could talk about because even though the kingdom is inaugurated, and little did the apostles, I, I, I'm not sure the apostles fully understood, and it appears they didn't until Pentecost, just what they were asking when they said, will you restore the kingdom at this time? The answer was basically, yes, I'm just about to do that. Yeah, when he ascends. When I ascend and send the power of Pentecost, the right. Holy Spirit, that's when the kingdom is fully inaugurated. However, it is not fully manifested until the second coming. So even though the kingdom is fully inaugurated, it's not fully manifested. That's why we're living in a period of time where the attacks of the rooted in the world, the flesh and the devil can still come against the kingdom. We don't have the fullness of Isaiah chapter 2, wolf lying down with lamb and such. Right. right. Until, and of the course, final that's an image, not a literal, there's not really going to be wolves and lambs lying down with each other, but the final consummation of all things is really about the fullness of the manifestation of the kingdom. Tim Staples is our guest. We're talking about that time uh, when Jesus uh, continued with the apostles and disciples. We'll continue with that right after this. Here's a question. Is it really possible to be friends with someone who died 2,000 years ago? Maybe the problem is that we've grown way too comfortable with the story of Jesus. Nice man, right? Taught us to love one another, said not to judge people. We celebrate his birthday every year. It's time to put away this small, safe version of Jesus, says Cy Kellett. Nobody that bland could have transformed the world. In a teacher of strange things, Psy presents Jesus Christ undiluted by sentiment, with all his radical words and deeds uncensored. Do you know someone, your son or daughter perhaps, or maybe your mom or dad, who needs the friendship of Jesus Christ? Do you? Order your copy of A Teacher of Strange Things by visiting shop.catholic.com today or asking for it at a good Catholic bookstore near you. Have you enrolled in the Catholic Answers School of Apologetics? Let me ask you a more important question. Do you believe as a Catholic that you have an obligation to share the Catholic faith? In fact, the Church has answered this question, and the answer is that all confirmed Catholics are obliged to share the faith. It's actually in canon law. Catholic Answers is here to help you fulfill that obligation. Our School of Apologetics courses will equip you to help all the people you come in contact with understand what the church teaches and why. A great place to start is with all the Catholics in your life. Learn the art of apologetics from the best of the best and start sharing the gospel today. Visit schoolofapologetics.com. That's schoolofapologetics.com. 
Did you know you can access Catholic Answers Live right from your phone or other mobile device? Download the Catholic Answers Live app today. The Catholic Answers Live app, available now on iOS and Android. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Call to Communion tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to Catholic Answers Live. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. Happy Easter to you. The Lord is risen, and uh, we have a great cause for joy. And we're talking a bit about the joy of the resurrection Amen. with Tim Staples, uh, and 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 it's funny because it's an it's a different way of talking about the resurrection. It's just focus on those forty days, yes. Uh, that, which is kind of you almost think of that as the resurrection period. But man, when you start to uncover it, I'm just so much enjoying listening to you talk about it. I have to say, I'm I got some more questions I want to ask you about. Yes. It, but I, it does seem to me that listening to you in the first half of this show. Right. Here's what occurs to me, and I want you to see if, if this uh, 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 comports with what you think. Okay. But it, there's something about the nature of the salvation that Jesus is offering that's being revealed by all of this, because it's not a salvation merely of entering uh, into you know the kingdom where he, but it's a, a it's, it's a participation in his reign that he they're yes. they're being so that he's not like if it was just a matter of Okay, now I'll be the king, and it'll be clear to everybody. That would be a different kind of of uh, salvation than yes. what he's doing. And like when I, when you were talking, in other words, about him teaching the apostles, open, enlightening their minds, and then sending the Holy Spirit, so they have the fullness of the apostolic um, kind of uh, uh, gift bestowed on them. What he's doing them is raising them up Amen. to be like him. That's a, that's a different kind of resurrection than I think we even want sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, a different kind of salvation than we want. We, we don't want to be saved uh, to be like Christ. We want to be saved to have, I can eat anything I want in heaven, and you know, <laughs> like that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that's right. heaven is just perfect bliss for me, just like I am now. Yeah, yeah, that, no, I, I, think, I wasn't thinking along those lines, but I like, the, I like the word participation that you just... Yeah, yeah uttered because yeah that's that is what it is all about jesus think about in his three years you know he every what is saint john chrysostom uses the term condescension right not we use it as a pejorative but he condescends not in, a, in that negative way we use it but he reaches people right where they are here's the guy to me it's so beautiful side to think of the the samaritan woman at the well the God of the universe comes down to this woman who is an outcast. We all know the story yeah. in John chapter 4. And what does he say to her? Give me a drink of water. You know, could you give me a drink of water? I mean, it's, a, it's right. just so profound. Here's the man who could extol the mysteries of the universe if he so willed. But he starts with, can you give me a drink of water? And then he elevates the conversation. Uh, where's your husband? <laughs> you yeah. And of course, then he brings in the miraculous. No, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. You know, we know that the story, but this is Jesus. It's all about dialogue. He elicits dialogue with this woman. Right. And in the process of that participation, she is healed. And then she runs around. 
come see the man who told me everything about me (laughs) without my even knowing him. And many came to believe, and many more came to see Jesus because of her, and then they came to believe, and the Scripture says, not because of what the woman said, but because they experienced Jesus themselves. That sums up the gospel right there. And this is what Jesus is doing. Here, he's having a conversation with the apostles, similar to the Samaritan woman. He comes down to them where they are at. He meets them. He begins to unload, right? Starting really simple. Think of, uh, you know, Cleopas, and if Jesus has yeah. a sense of humor, Cleopas and the unnamed disciple. Haven't you heard of all the things that have happened in Jerusalem? He's, what things? Yeah, right? tell me about Jesus, that. What, <laughs> what things? <laughs> and then, of course, he expounds to them. But don't we have the same kind of process here? You know, the conversation, you just start the conversation, and then Jesus injects the supernatural, and before long... He's healing people through his word. As John 15, 3 says, to, he says to the apostles, you have been made clean because you've received my word, right? The, his words begin to heal, and then there is this process. Well, during the period of the 40 days, Jesus does not break out of character. He comes down, he's talking with folks, he's meeting them right where they are, Thomas famously, right? Yes, right. And Mary Magdalene so famously, what does he do? He meets them right where they are, he elevates the conversation, and then before long there's transformation, and you better believe there is coming empowerment, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform the apostles in the church so that we can run around and tell the world, yeah. and then they're going to come to see Jesus, and they're going to get their lives changed, not because of what Cy Kellett says, but now I've experienced Jesus. That's really the gospel. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So um, this Jesus you mentioned that is risen, yeah. he he appears and disappears. He, he does these right. things, and we say, yes. well, that's because he's. this is his glorified body. He's been glorified. But there seems to be more glory yet to come because he's going. So, in what sense is he glorified and still yet to be glorified? That's right. That is a great question. And in fact, can I recommend to folks the Catechism of the Catholic Church has a wonderful little section on the Ascension, and it goes from paragraph, excuse me, paragraph six fifty nine down to 664, and actually continues into the section on um, him, from thence he will come again to judge the living and the dead, paragraph 668 down to 672. So it actually goes beyond that section strictly on the ascension, but a beautiful section, and it talks about how during those 40 days, yes, Jesus was glorified, but I, I like the way the Catechism says in paragraph 660, the veiled character of the glory of the risen one during this time is intimated in his mysterious words to Mary Magdalene, I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. This indicates a difference, here's the key word, in manifestation between the glory of the risen Christ and that of the Christ exalted to the Father's right hand, a transition marked by the historical and transcendent event of the ascension, right? So Uh, there is, think of this, Christ, from the moment of his conception, we understand even in his human nature, had the beatific vision. So 
even in his human nature, because of that fact, he had a right to all that comes with the beatific vision, including the full glorification of his human nature. However, he willed to block that full manifestation of the beatific vision. Why? Because he had to take upon himself a wayward state in order to save us. Because if he was fully glorified, fully and finally glorified, he couldn't suffer, he couldn't die. Yeah. He, he wouldn't have to overcome obstacles. Well, in order to save us, he had to do all of those things. He has to overcome, he has to merit. In order to merit, you have to overcome obstacles and all that. So even when he was walking this earth, Sai, he had the right to the glory. And in fact, we mentioned a little bit earlier, he gave us a, a hint of it. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration, yeah. where he, as God, allowed the fullness of that manifestation to penetrate even in and through his human nature, and he shone like the sun. The glory was so uh, overwhelming, right? Temporarily. So that tells you Jesus could have manifest it, but he chose not to in order to save us. Okay, well, now the resurrection comes, and Jesus is glorified in a way he wasn't when he walked the earth. Namely, he's raised from the dead now. He can die no more. He could die before, but now he is glorified so yeah. that he cannot die any longer. What else do we see? We see him walking through walls in John chapter 20, when the apostles were there for fear of the Jews, they were hiding in the upper room, and he appears in their midst. And you mentioned he appeared and he disappeared. So he has this glory now, but wait a minute. It's not the full glory that he would have after the ascension, and why is that? Because we see him walking around on this earth, right? He was not in his full and final glorified state, because once he reaches there, the catechism says, he is in an irreversible, the catechism uses the term, irreversible glorified state that he would never, and boy, this, this opens up a whole nother question about the nature of this irreversible glorified state that transcends this earthly existence, period, right? He is in, let me see how the catechism says it, right? Um, in, in paragraph 659, listen to this. During the 40 days when he eats and drinks familiarly with his disciples and teaches them about the kingdom, his glory remains veiled. Now remember, veiled, it doesn't mean he doesn't possess it is not able to fully manifest it, but it's veiled under the appearance of ordinary humanity. Jesus' final apparition ends with the irreversible entry of his humanity into divine glory, symbolized by the cloud and by heaven, where he is seated from that time forward at God's right hand. Only in a holy and exceptional and unique way would Jesus show himself to Paul as to one untimely born in a last apparition that established him as an apostle? So we don't side. The really cool thing about this, St. John tells us in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, brethren, we do not yet know what we shall be. 
but we yeah. know this. We will be like, like him, him. Yeah. for we will see him as he is. So yeah. we don't even fully, I, but I love the way the catechism says it. We don't fully comprehend Christ in his full glorified humanity, much less, of course, the divinity that's infinitely beyond us. But we know this, that fully glorified humanity now, full, not just fully the kingdom fully inaugurated, but him fully empowered means he is there forever. It's irreversible. And I love the way the Catechism says this. This, this is why, by the way, even Stephen, when Stephen sees Jesus at the right—I love that in Acts chapter uh, 7 when he's, he's about to be um, stoned to death, and, and even after when he's stoned, he looks up and he sees Jesus— standing at the right hand of the Father, not sitting, but standing, because he's being, he's a martyr. Um, that's not the same as the revelation that the apostles were given. That's more of a vision. Now, some will argue, what about St. Paul? Because, you know, you have these beautiful words in the Catechism that, that fun, the, the ascension results in that irreversible he can never, Jesus can never come back to a merely earthly existence like he had when he walked this earth and like he experienced in the 40 days. He can never come back to that because now it is full, it's irreversible. But wait a minute, and then in the next breath, the catechism says, well, except. <laughs> <laughs> except for Paul. Yeah. The, Paul. And, and there are, you know, theologians will argue, I love this stuff because, you know, this is stuff that's not defined by the church as, as far as what I'm about to say. And good Catholics can disagree. But I love the, the church basically say, we don't know exactly what happened there. You notice how the, the uh, catechism says, let me read it again. Only in a holy, exceptional, and unique way would Jesus show himself to Paul as to one untimely born in a last apparition that established him. Now, notice the catechism already said Jesus' final apparition. <laughs> I love it. And now he's... But after <laughs> the final one comes the last apparition. <laughs> That's right. Jesus' final apparition ends with the irreversible entry of his humanity into divine glory symbolized by the cloud, right? So... It's irreversible now. There is no going back. Think about this, Sai. Remember when, when Jesus said, think not that—do you not know that I could call my Heavenly Father and he would send 12 legions of angels to deliver me? But how would the Scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus wasn't just saying that for the fun of it. That's true. Yeah. Jesus could have done it. Now, I would argue we would have to have a different revelation than the one we have— but at least theoretically, what Jesus is saying, of course, is absolutely true. He could, but guess what? After the ascension, he can't, because it's irreversible what was happened, right? Yes. But, but now, again, this beautiful language, Jesus' final apparition ends with the irreversible entry of his humanity into divine glory, symbolized by the cloud, only in a wholly exceptional and unique way. I love it. <laughs> Only in a holy—now, the, the, the church does not—the catechism doesn't, and actually I looked. I couldn't find anywhere in any magisterial document where the church goes any deeper than that, which, praise be to God, as our Eastern friends would say, you don't need to go deeper than that. That's, that's, that's enough. This yeah. is enough. This is the mystery. But it does say, in a holy, acceptable, and unique way, would Jesus show himself 
to Paul as to one untimely born in a last apparition. So it would appear that the apparition form that Jesus appeared to St. Paul was wholly exceptional and unique. So I argue it's in a unique category. Yeah. It, it's not the same as, you know, certainly in the Old Testament saints like Moses saw, or it's not what Stephen saw, it's not what any of the apparitions, what they see, it's wholly unique. But I say with a little bit of trepidation, trepidation, is it, is it fully and absolutely the same as what the, the other apostles experienced? I think the fact that it's wholly exceptional and unique may mm. mean no. Yeah. But then again, I know there are some theologians who would argue, no, Paul is an exception. But then once you say that, then you have to say, well, what does irreversibility mean then? you know, about Jesus. It's not that God can't, but when God commits, it's this is the way I think of it, Cy, the hypostatic union, right? Once the incarnation occurs, there's no going back. It is the, the Council of Chalcedon refers to this as a substantial union. Substantial means what a thing is. So when you're talking about the second person of the Blessed Trinity now, that's it. He is God-man forever, and it's irreversible. There is no going back. Now, it's not that God doesn't have the power to undo a hypostatic union. He has the power. But it would contradict his very nature, which makes it impossible. Yeah. So I'm not arguing that this is on the same level, but it does—it it, it, it opens up the question— of what does irreversibility mean if you hold to Paul having the exact same uh, revelation that, that the apostles did. Whatever it was that Paul received, though, in this holy, what unique and exceptional way was sufficient for him to be an Not apostle. <laughs> uh, we'll take a quick break, be right back. We'll continue our conversation about Jesus' post-resurrection time with the apostles and disciples. There's only one Catholic Answers Live. We have a big problem. Our culture is dying and souls are in danger of being lost. The answer is conversion to Jesus Christ in His church. St. Paul Street Evangelization is a Catholic organization and we have hundreds of teams spreading the good news throughout the country. But we need your help. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Find out more and get involved today at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. EWTN has its own official YouTube channel with tens of thousands of videos covering just about every conceivable topic of interest to Catholics. And best of all, it's free. Every day, EWTN adds new TV shows, live events, devotionals, homilies, and specials to its YouTube channel. Visit the EWTN YouTube channel today. EWTN, the global Catholic network. Welcome back, Catholic Answers Live. I'm just, uh, the, an hour is not enough for this, Tim. It's just so great. <laughs> no. I mean, you, there's so much there that, uh, frankly, I think we go over a lot of times. We just, you know, th we just, 
kind of um, we're so familiar with it, maybe. But what happened yeah. in those forty days, and 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 what is the state of uh, Christ's glorified body? Yes. Um, I do want to add because it does seem to me that you're saying a lot of what Jesus is doing here in these forty days is essential to his salvific mission. Yes. Which means it ah. saves us. Mm-hmm. But on the cross, I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> yeah. He said, "Oh, this is fun. It is finished." Yeah. So, in what sense is our salvation accomplished when he says it's it is finished? When there's still more for him to accomplish? Yeah. After the resurrection. Oh gosh, I and we have how much time? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? Well, yeah. It actually, this is a really important question. You know, uh, you've heard me appeal many times to uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 517, which beautifully blows out of the water what I was raised on as a Protestant to believe, and that is that Christ accomplished our salvation on the cross and the cross alone, our redemption, our salvation. He did it all. As we used to preach it, brother, he did it all on the cross, Uh all on the cross. And when Jesus said, it is finished, that means there's nothing else for us to do, no works, no anything, right? And of course, that's false. In fact, we have to first understand what it is finished means. And for that, all you got to do, because remember, he said it in John chapter 19, when he's on the cross, what, 19, 17 or 18, it is finished. If you just go back to chapter 17, the night before in his final high priestly prayer, he says, Father, I have finished the work you have given me to do on earth. In John chapter 17, the first three verses, first five verses, he lays that out, right? So what is finished? Everything you've given me to do on earth, I've done it right? It is finished. Did he mean there's nothing else less for our salvation and nothing for us to do? Of course not. In fact, the Catechism points out in paragraph 517 that Jesus' whole life is redemptive, not just the cross. Even though the cross, of course, is the pinnacle of the redemption, as the Catechism, paragraph 517, points out that, uh, you know, Hebrews 7.22 or not 722, where would that be? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That would be chapter 9, verse 22, I believe. I could be wrong. But it's in Hebrews. We'll put it that way. Um, So the shedding of blood is necessary in accordance with the revelation that we have been given. And of course, the death on the cross is the pinnacle of the redemption. But Christ's whole life is redemptive, and the catechism goes down the list, and I, I'll do this real quick. I love the Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Christ was made poor in order that we might be made rich, referring to the incarnation being salvific, because it's through his being made poor, the incarnation, it, that we are made rich, we can be saved. Then it moves to Jesus' obedience to his parents in Luke 2, verses 51 and 52, when he humbles himself and obeys Mama after the the finding in the temple, and thus he grew in age and wisdom and grace before God and men. The Catechism points out there that he is meriting our redemption through his obedience to his parents. 
And then we go down to his ministry, both in his healing ministry in Matthew 8, 14 through 17, where he heals St. Peter's mother-in-law, fulfilling Isaiah 53, by his stripes we were healed. And the healing, of course, is only a manifestation of the inner healing that is the most important, the taking away of sins. And so there the catechism points out that Jesus is fulfilling his ministry of redemption in his healings. And then it's John 15, 3 that we referred to before in his ministry of the word. He says to the apostles, you have already been made clean because you have received my word. Wait a minute. How can they be made clean? He hadn't died on the cross yet. If he did everything on the cross, y'all, are you following me? The, yeah. And what the catechism points out here is no. And then it goes to Romans 4.25. Now, it kind of skips over what we already talked about, the essential nature of the crucifixion as, as the pinnacle of the redemption. But then in Romans 4.25, it says he was crucified for our sins. He was raised again for our justification. Wait a minute. I thought it was finished on the cross. So why did, why did he have to be raised for our justification? And this gets to the point, Sai, a lot of folks confused, is even though Jesus' time of meriting ceased when he died on the cross, he could merit no longer because he has overcome the ultimate obstacle in death. And by death, he destroyed death, right? So he doesn't merit our salvation any longer. As high priest, he applies his own merits in our lives. And you see that everywhere. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. He's a priest. That's what a mediator between God and men is, a priest. And what is he doing? Mediating between God and men. In fact, Hebrews 7, verses 24 through 26 describes it. it says, he ever liveth to make intercession at the right hand of the Father. And therefore, I'm skipping to verse 26 because we're running out of time. I'll <laughs> skip down to Hebrews 7, 26. And therefore, he is able to save all who come to him. Yes, he's in still his saving. priestly ministry at the right hand of the Father. So he is still saving. Well, guess what? What was he during, doing during those 40 days? He was saving souls, my friend, in illuminating, teaching. He was sending his word and healing. He was illuminating, lifting up, and leading the church toward Pentecost, where the kingdom would be fully inaugurated. And I only wish we had more time. <laughs> I, I just don't think I could have enjoyed that hour more, Tim. I'm really grateful for you unlocking uh, so much of that for All us. Right, Re really, really beautiful. Hey, we continue to uh, celebrate Easter all this week and uh, all the way up until the Feast of Pentecost. So uh, we hope you'll continue to join us. And in call, we got open forum coming up tomorrow. Maybe you were recently received into the church and you got a question. Give us a call tomorrow. We'll see you then. God willing on Catholic Answers Live.